It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself. In a Christian worldview. Well, welcome to Quantum number 270, Quantum, a podcast that looks at news and views and culture and so on from throughout the world. I guess this one we're going to call Problems and Solutions. I use quite a bit of music on Quantum and uh, sometimes people say, why don't you play something modern? Okay, I'll do that. Here's a song that just came out this month. Problems, problems, problems all day. It may not sound very modern to some of you, but that is Van Morrison's latest called Problems. I love the song in lots of ways. Uh, Worries pile up on my head. Woe is me. I should have stayed in bed. Now, sometimes when we're looking at the news, that's what we feel and think. But what we're going to do in this week is look at some of the problems in some of the countries in the world, but also try and think of some of the solutions. Uh, Each week I try and feature a particular country and we will begin this week with the national anthem of this country, which I'm sure you'll work out. That is, of course, Canada, a nation, the second largest country in the world, um, physically speaking, geographically speaking, almost 10 million square kilometres. Although I didn't know that it would be the fourth million, fourth largest country in the world, rather, because an awful lot of Canada is inland freshwater lakes, which counts in, in terms of landmass. It's a nation of 40 million people, capital Ottawa, largest city Toronto. Amazing country. And I know that some of you in Canada, in fact, quite a lot of you in Canada listen to this. And I love your country. Uh, I love the fact that you've got a French speaking part. Um, It's an extraordinarily beautiful country and extraordinarily talented. 
Uh, I would love, if I'd had more space on this podcast, I would have played people like Leonard Cohen. Uh, but fascinating, just getting some statistics about Canada before we do a little bit of news. And of course, if you've been following the news, you kind of know what's coming, don't you? This is extraordinary. 15.6% of the population in 2021 identified themselves as Canadian. English are 14.7%, Irish 12.1%, Scottish 12.1%. Wow, French 11%, German 8.1%, Chinese 4.7%, Italian 4.3%, Indian 3.7%. And this, given this week's news, fascinating, Ukrainian 3.5%. I love the fact that God is mentioned in the Constitution, despite Canada, I think, uh, if I was drawing a top five nations that are heading down the woke uh, progressive route faster than anyone, Canada would be pretty near the top, along with New Zealand and uh, Scotland, sadly. In terms of religion, Christianity is the largest religion in Canada, with Roman Catholics representing about 30% of the population, uh, Christians overall representing about 53% of the population. And then 34.6% say they have no faith, which is, that's fa- that really is quite fascinating. I thought it would have been higher. Islam's about 5%, Hinduism 2%, Sikhism 2%, Buddhism 1%, Judaism 1%, and indigenous spirituality 0.2%. Fascinatingly, Canada has the second largest national Sikh population behind India. Anyway, there were several stories I was going to look at in terms of Canada, but really this, this is unbelievable. This really is unbelievable. And um, anyway, let me play you this. This is the moment the Speaker of Canada's Parliament, Anthony Rota, paid tribute to a former Nazi SS officer while welcoming President Zelensky. 98-year-old Ukrainian Yaroslav Hunker received two standing ovations despite having served in the SS 14th Waffen Division a voluntary Ukrainian unit that was under the command of the Nazis. We have here in the chamber today Ukrainian Canadians, Ukrainian Canadian world veteran from the Second World War who fought the Ukrainian independence against the Russians and continues to support the troops today. He's a Ukrainian hero, a Canadian hero, and we thank him for all his service. Thank you. Jewish groups in Canada were outraged and Rota has said he knew nothing of Hunker's background. He since apologised and regrets the decision to single him out. That is the extraordinary story of President Zelensky's visit being overshadowed by the standing ovation given by the House of Parliament, including Prime Minister Trudeau, to a Ukrainian hero who fought against the Russians except he's 92 years old and he fought for the Germans as part of an SS brigade. Now, it is extraordinary. Here is uh, Trudeau's explanation. In a few moments, I will address the House in front of all Canadians, in front of Jewish people here and around the world, and Ukrainians to offer Parliament's unreserved apologies for what happened on Friday. The Speaker was solely responsible for the invitation and recognition of this man, 
and has wholly accepted that responsibility and stepped down. This was a mistake that has deeply embarrassed Parliament and Canada. All of us who were in this House on Friday regret deeply having stood and clapped, even though we did so unaware of the context. It was a horrendous violation of the memory of the millions of people who died in the Holocaust, and it was deeply, deeply painful for Jewish people. It also hurt Polish people, Roma people, 2SLGBTQI plus people, disabled people, racialized people, and the many millions who were targeted by the Nazi genocide. <laughs> the explanation is extraordinary in lots and lots of ways. Um, we regret having stood and clapped, even though we, we did so unaware of the context. The first thing about that is anyone who has any awareness of history whatsoever will be aware that if you are fighting Russia in the Second World War, you were almost certainly going to be on the side of the Nazis. And if you knew Ukrainian history, you would know that there were Ukrainian groups that hated the Jews and there were Ukrainian groups that joined with the Nazis. At the very least, I mean, I, I mean is there something wrong with me? I, I, I look at all of this and I just think, wow. That's the first thing I would have thought. I thought, who'd you fight for? Was it the Nazis? <laughs> and then, by the way, in that speech, uh, it also hurt Polish people, Roma people, and 2SLGBTQI plus people. Really? You really think so? You have to signal them out particularly? Wow. Canada's in such a mess if that's your leader. Because this is the same Trudeau who... As Brendan O'Neill points out, fantasizes that Nazism lurks everywhere, who always says that his critics are far right. Um, there have been a, a series of uh, political marches, I think they call the, the Million March Child, the One Million March for Children, actually spearheaded by Muslim Canadians in response to this radical gender ideology, woke ideology, and the content, putting content before children uh, that for parents say is indecent or age inappropriate because it is in indecent. Um, there have been thousands of participants in over 100 cities and up to 10,000 reported at the largest gathering in Ottawa. And Trudeau says, ah, yeah, they are, um, you know, far right. Uh, <laughs> and then when the truckers did their thing, the Trudeau government, the unions, the progressive activists, the media, state subsidized, of course, uh, basically were quite prepared to say that they were right-wing extremists. Do you know, is it a right-wing extremism to want a say in what your child learns in school? Wow. Meanwhile, he has a real Nazi. A real Nazi. Someone who fought for the Nazis. Someone who fought for the SS. And the Canadian Parliament stands and applauds him. And Trudeau stands and applauds him. Ignorance is no excuse. Again, can you imagine the reaction if, let's say, Donald Trump had had a Nazi speak in Congress or the Senate? <laughs> Just, it's unbelievable. Okay, look, we do uh, pray for our Canadian brothers and sisters. And if any of you are in Canada and you wish to uh, get in touch with me and give me more news about Canada, I'm very happy to pass it on. Um. I apologize for this next, but I just couldn't resist it. 
it's what a lot of a lot of British people think of Canada, which doesn't make it right, but it still is quite funny. Here's Monty Python. Leaping from tree to tree as they float down the mighty rivers of British Columbia. The giant redwood, the larch, the fir, the mighty Scots pine, the smell of fresh cut timber, the crash of mighty trees. With my best girlie by my side, we'd sing, sing, sing. I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. I sleep all night, I work all day. He's a lumberjack and he's okay. He sleeps all night and he works all day. I cut down trees, I eat my lunch, I go to the lavatory. <laughs> On Wednesdays I go shopping and have buttered scones for tea. He cuts down trees, he eats his lunch, he goes to the lavatory. <laughs> On Wednesdays we go shopping and have buttered scones for tea. He's a lumberjack and he's okay, he sits all night and he works all day. I cut down trees, I skip and jump, I like to press wildflowers. I put on women's clothing and hang around in bars. Cuts on trees, he sits and jumps. He likes to press wild flowers. He puts on women's clothing and hangs around in bars. He's a lumberjack and he's old Cut up trees or wear high heels, suspenders and a bra. I wish I'd been a girly, just like my dear mama. I cut down trees, wear high heels, suspenders and a bra. I wish I'd been a girly, just like my dear mama. You know, in a strange kind of way, Python were ahead of the time. Um, yeah, your Mounties and the Lumberjacks and the Transvestites. And now, 2SLGBTQI plus people. Okay, let's uh, go on to just do some other news. I'm, I'm focusing on different countries. Canada's the main one, obviously. In Ukraine, the war in Ukraine goes on, often, in, in, in many cases, I think, forgotten, by the Western media who reported continuously on it, but every now and then we get something, and Ukraine claimed to have killed a Russian admiral. However, unfortunately for them, the Russians show him in a phone conversation the following day. So I guess there's disinformation on both sides. Um, I just wonder what's happening with Zelensky. He spoke to the UN about climate change, and he's appointed a trans spokesperson. Um I just wonder if this is a tactical thing, thinking that he's going to appeal to the left in, in America and in various European countries. Well, it's certainly not going to help him with others. And in, in Poland, Poland, he's suing Poland and one or two other Eastern European countries, which is crazy when they're meant to be allies. And Poland said they're no longer going to supply them with weapons. You know, I, I can't help but get the feeling that if Putin just holds on, then... Uh, he may end up winning this. All in all, it's a very sad and disastrous situation. As is the situation in Azerbaijan, which we covered last week. Now, again, for me, it's the double standards here. More than 50,000 people have left Nagorno-Karabakh. These are Armenians. After Azerbaijan has basically taken it over. Um, we know that at least 68 people were killed, 105 remain missing, probably dead after an explosion at a fuel depot in Nagorno-Karabakh. Um, 
we know that, uh, well, that Armenians, ethnic Armenians, are, are terrified and rightly terrified. And this is ethnic cleansing going on now. Now, the West went to war against Russia in Ukraine. Of course, we didn't. We're not fighting, but we've got the Ukrainians to fight for us, which, again, is something that I find quite despicable. And we're talking about this being about human rights. But we're silent because Azerbaijan is supported by Turkey. Turkey is one of our allies. Armenia is supported by Russia. Russia is our enemy. So we can tolerate abuse of human rights, which is perpetrated by one of our allies, but we justify going to war. Oh, do you see what I find so wrong about all of this? It's not direct equivalence, but it's pretty close. All right, enough of that. Let's go to, I've been doing an album of the week, and it's an album I've been listening to, and I've been listening to this whole week. And, you know, we say Van Morrison with problems. Well, this would really depress you. Well, it might not. Um, it's the album The Bends by Radiohead. Now, the important thing about this album is you do have to listen to it as an album. There are two outstanding songs on it as you have as singles. Um, this one, Fake Plastic Trees, and there's another one I'll play later on. But the whole album, if you took out individual songs, they're good, but they become brilliant when you listen to them. And it really is one of the most incredible albums. It is depressing in the sense of if I listen to it five times in a row um, over 24 hours, I'd you know, be in the pits of despair. But it's beautiful music. It's extraordinary music uh, in so many ways. So here's Fake Plastic Trees. What you bought from a rubber Time for the rubber plants to get rid of itself. The words around, the words around, 
Okay, let's come to Australia. Um, most of the listeners to this podcast are from Australia, the UK, and the United States. There are other countries as well, Canada I mentioned, uh, India, Malaysia, where there are quite a few listeners, and lots of other countries throughout the world where there are groups of listeners. But uh, um, I, I, do, I'm, I do want to feature news from these three countries every week, and here's some news from Australia. Now, the story here has been of retiral. Rupert Murdoch has retired, and there are people who think he's the devil incarnate, and there are other people who greatly admire him. I would say this, that as Andrew Neil pointed out, without Rupert Murdoch and the whopping dispute, there would be no significant British press today. And then another man has retired, this man. Daniel Andrews, the Premier of Victoria since December 4, 2014, the 48th Premier of Victoria, one of the most high profile, one of the most controversial figures in state politics, not just Victoria, but nationwide that we have seen in Australian history through the once in a century pandemic, through the toughest lockdown in Australia, if not the world, through to that, you'd have to say reflective, but I think in part, he believes triumphant departure at state parliament in Melbourne. Let's bring in my colleague, now, Clinnell. I cannot, but when I heard that news, I actually rejoiced. And I mean it. It's just made my week, to be honest. Because I regard Dan Andrews as one of the most cynical, anti-Christian, authoritarian, illiberal politicians I have ever come across. He makes, in that degree, Nicola Sturgeon look like an amateur and Justin Trudeau as insignificant. Um... Greg Sheridan has a superb article, and I've, as always, I put links to the articles up on the website, uh, talking about how he sidelined Parliament. There are many other things he did. He broke the Victorian economy, leaving it in great debt. There was the Commonwealth Games debacle. Taxes have gone up. Projects are billions over budget and years late. Post-COVID suicide is a scourge. The lockdown he had was utterly ridiculous and authoritarian. The Safe Schools Social Engineering Programme advocating gender fluidity and his woke ideology. He put biological men in women's prisons. He enabled much easier euthanasia and abortion. He refused to say he respected the High Court's acquittal of Cardinal George Pell. As Sher Sheridan says... Andrews leaves behind a nearly bankrupt state with compromised institutions and a toxic political culture. Hopefully we won't see his like again. Okay, still in Australia, we've got this referendum on The Voice, which I explained before. Now, there is one woman, Jacinta Price, who I think has probably turned around this whole referendum. The uh, Yes campaign were miles ahead. It appears now that the No campaign is ahead and to... To a greater or less extent, and I think a greater extent, it is because of Jacinta Price, a brave, brilliant Aboriginal woman who's become the star of the anti-voice campaign. Honestly, um, you should look at her, her speech to the National Press Club. She's selling out venues all over Australia. She's a remarkable woman. She had the good taste to marry a Scotsman. And here is some of the abuse she's been getting. Jacinta Price is our guest in the studio. Jacinta, I want to play to you some messages you've received. These are voicemail messages that have been left on your mobile phone. Uh, who knew, eh? My Uncle Tom Coconut. Hate your own people. Well, you know, 
What a disgrace. Absolutely disgraceful, disgusting human being you are, Uncle Tom Coconut. You received that on your mobile phone? Yes, yep. That one, that was, <laughs> there's obviously worse ones than that um, that I received and the messages that have come through. And it's just remarkable how um, human beings feel they have the right to be aggressive and abusive and disgusting and horrible. Called a coconut. That is brown on the outside or black on the outside, white on the inside. She's being racially abused. She's being attacked by those who say they're for peace and love and unity. It's appalling. We'll keep you in touch with all of that. In Western Australia, sadly, I have to report that the new abortion law has been passed. Um, there are six proposed changes. Incredibly, they've increased the time limit for a procedure from 20 to 24 weeks. Not only that, they fully decriminalised abortion, They've abolished mandatory counsel, counselling. They've scrapped the need for a GP referral. And in effect, they have allowed abortion on demand up to uh, birth if uh, a physician can say that the mother's or the baby's health is in, in danger. And that, basically, if you get a doctor, it could be any aspect of health. It's horrific. It's a culture of death. And also in, in Australia, an extraordinary story of Qantas, which I mentioned before, who had, had now admitted they requested the Australian government to stop Qatar Airways' expansion. Meanwhile, Qantas considered paying back $1 billion in JobKeeper, but didn't. They've kept it. And their chairman, their executives get paid a fortune. It is a form of institutional political corruption which if it went on in a third world dictator state we'd be complaining about but because it goes on with us well it's the way things work all right uh, we need a wee break again and uh, this again is radiohead this is from the bends this is some of street spirit Swallow home. 
This machine will not communicate the thought and the strain I am under. Be a world child, form a circle before we all go under. Beautiful song. Other world news from Ethiopia. This happened. She's going to better the world record, possibly here, by over two minutes. She's striding away now. This is the young girl who, many years ago, back in 2014, ran 54 seconds for 400, a world-class 159 for 800 metres. And today, she becomes world record holder in the marathon, surely. A couple hundred metres to run. Tigist Aseva takes the world record to Ethiopia, snatches it from the grasp of Bridget Koskai of Kenya. The fastest woman in history. Tigst Asifa beats the marathon world record by more than two minutes. Two hours, 11 minutes and 53 seconds. Extraordinary. It's an extraordinary achievement. France. Emmanuel Macron on Monday has ruled out banning gas boilers. And this is again part of the rollback in terms of the net zero stuff that uh, Europe is going back now. In, in Scotland as well, the UK government have permitted the development of the largest oil field, a remaining oil field uh, in the Atlantic, actually. And the Greens, of course, are up in uproar and the SNP will moan about it, but be glad for the jobs. Okay, we're now going to turn to something in the UK, and I need to put a warning in here. This There's a little bit of uh, bad language, certainly concepts within it. And um, if you've got very young children listening to this or you yourself upset by this kind of stuff, don't listen to it. But I, And I wasn't going to deal with this, but we have to. Uh, this is the story of Lawrence Fox on GB News. We're past the watershed, so I can say this. Um, show me a single self-respecting man that would like to climb into bed with that woman ever, ever who wasn't an incel, who wasn't a cucked little incel. That little woman has been fed, spoon-fed oppression day after day after day after day, starting with the lie of the gender uh, uh, wage gap. And she sat there and I'm going like, if I met you in a bar and that was like sentence three, chances of me just walking away are just huge. We need powerful, strong, amazing women who make great points for themselves. We don't need these sort of feminist 4.0. They're pathetic and embarrassing. Who'd want to shag that? Oh, Lawrence. Well, look, she... Now, what's fascinating about this in lots of ways, and I'll, I'll come on to what I actually think about what he said in a moment, but the woman he's criticising, Ava Santina, this is what she said about men's mental health. I think that it feeds into the culture a little bit, this Minister for Men argument. Like, In my mind, I think there should be a Minister for Mental Health, which would be all-encompassing. I mean, you've got something like 7 million children waiting for prescriptions for mental health at the moment. It's a crisis that's endemic throughout the country, not specific to men. And I think, you know, a lot of ministers kind of bandy this about to sort of... I'm sorry, but make an enemy out of women, I think. Not you, and I don't think your well, book I, is. I, 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 don't, I, think I, don't, I don't accept that. I don't think it is to make an enemy. If we looked at during COVID... And that's what he was so angry about. Now, here in Australia, I know also in Scotland, I suspect also in the US and the rest of the UK, the number one killer for men under 50 is suicide. Men's mental health is a massive issue. And this journalist, in effect, made light of it. She later apologised for it and, yet then, and then said she didn't regret what she said or she stood by what she said. Now, there are two things to say about this. The first, and I, and I think most significant, is simply this, that it is completely inappropriate 
to denigrate someone's personal characteristics when you are discussing such a serious topic, which is what Lawrence Fox did. His language was crude, it was lewd, and I personally don't have an objection to his suspension. I think he should be suspended for a while and then perhaps uh, brought back because there's another aspect of this, the sheer hypocrisy. I don't think that people really care about the nature of the comments. When you think about it, on BBC and on Channel 4 panel shows, Jimmy Carr, Frankie Boyle and others have said much, much worse. What the motivation here is, let's get GB News off the air. Owen Jones could hardly contain himself. The Guardian, screaming in self-righteous hypocrisy. But it's the journalist herself as well, when we're talking about hypocrisy. Now, again, please forgive me for this language. I'm reading out some tweets that she wrote, and I've verified these as far as I can. So Ava Santina, 2020, wrote, I'm not going to shag you, pal. Same again in June 23rd, 2020. In February this year, Lawrence isn't going to shag you, mate. There would presumably be some good libertarian jokes about how if you shag one, you'd have to shag them all, August 29th. It's crude, it's ugly, it's lewd. But why should Fox be condemned for this and this lady put herself forward as a martyr? That's my question, and it's a genuine question. And I'm not excusing what he said at all, but then... I think it's consistent for our culture, but I also think our culture is incredibly hypocritical. Um, Oxford Uni has been named the number one in the world, and that just reminded me of a report that came out by Oxford University's LGBTQI plus society. Uh, I'm, uh, Justin Trudeau must be fundamentally dis disappointed they didn't put in the two S, two whatever, A, Z, whatever uh, into it. The Society has a Safe Churches team, which says the dark shadow of the traditional view on marriage has to be acknowledged as the demonization, pathologizing and stigmatizing of all LGBTQI plus people. They have a, a, a team of student commissioners, the little censors walking around telling us who should be banned. Churches like St. Ebbs in Oxford are branded red uh, for dangerous Three is amber, for okay, and four and five is green. A lot more of this kind of thing coming. Okay, in the UK, this man died. I wonder if you know who this is. Roger Whittaker, Whistling the Skyboat song. He had some good songs, but I think he was most famous for his whistling. He's British. Um, he has just a, I, I guess his 1971 single, The Last Farewell, was probably the best known. Well, he's died this year. He's sold in an estimated 50 to 60 million records. Very talented man. Harry, 
the land that's born to be king over the sea to sky. And then, at a bit of US news, it's really actually, well, he died in the US. This man. Ilya Kuryakin. Kavya Sandor. I'm with the UNCLE. I'm Hungarian. That's David McCallum, Ilya Kuryakin, uh, in The Man from Uncle. I I love that. That's part of my youth, I think, listening to that. He was also in Cold Eds um, and on the American TV series NCIS. I I, I put this in the American news, but actually he was a Scot. He was from Glasgow. Um, Seek, let's come on to chapter 10. And instead of the the who, we have to play this. That's Pink Floyd, of course. We don't need no education. And this is dealing with the question which says that educated people, do you think educated people are less likely to believe in God? And again, I put up the full question on the website if you haven't yet got the book, and why haven't you? Um, and I would say that I argue that there are many people who are educated and intelligent who do believe in God. But... There is a myth. In today's society, there are people who will tell you that intelligent people don't believe in God. So if you want to appear intelligent, you will say you don't believe in God. And yet, that's not the case. It also depends by, I say in the article, what you mean by education. When education was based upon Christian principles, pupils and students were taught how to think, not what to think. But nowadays, much education is more about telling us what to think. It's more social engineering and indoctrination than it is education. And then we look at some further reading and a prayer and so on. Okay, time is going. (laughs) Just so much. I had to play this. This is my sports thing. Listen to this. There's never been a time in my life where everything's perfect. I lost my father three years ago and he should have been here for the journey. So I've got to deal with that. Everyone, and that's just me talking personally, but everybody, everybody in this room at this moment, you could be, one part of your life could be flying, and there'll be something, could be a family member, could be a health issue, could be a financial issue, there's always something, and and footballers are not immune from that. And sometimes I think they fall into the trap of thinking they are, and they're not, 
because just because you have you know money or, or, or you're really good at something um, life will still find a way to keep a balance in that there'll be stuff in there that that's going to be stressful it's going to be upsetting and and you've got to just deal with that you know but do you think enough people in the game understand that as well as I think anyone doesn't understand. I think, like I said, I just think we choose to ignore it. We just, at times, think, "Well, he's a footballer. He's got money. What's he got to complain about?" You know. Well, of course he does. But then the footballer has to also understand that, you know, his life is not. You know, perfection doesn't exist in life. There, are, you know, plenty of people, you know, who who have what we would assume to have all the advantages in life, who are fairly unhappy. You know. So that's not that, that doesn't exist. So it's just a matter of. I think for the most part, people are, you know, understand that that's the case and empathetic. Sometimes we just choose to ignore it because it, it makes a better, not a better story, but it just makes a more impactful kind of scenario that, you know, wow, you know, fantastic footballer has problems. Well, they all do, mate. You know, they all do. That's Ange, the, <laughs> I can't remember his second name. Oh, it's a Greek name anyway, but he's Australian from Melbourne, Australian Greek from Melbourne. He's had a successful career in Japan as a football manager and in Celtic. And he's now become a cult figure at Tottenham Hotspur. I love his interviews. I love him. I just think he's a brilliant guy. You know, we're talking about problems and here he is talking about problems. They all have problems. They all do, mate. They're rich. These footballers, they have problems too. How can these problems be solved? How can we deal with them? Well, that's what I'm trying to tell you. Jesus says this. We, we, you know, we've been talking about men's suicide. We've been talking about some of the problems in the world of racism and war and, and poverty and just crudity and the lack of manners and everything else. And the way for these to be solved... It's, I think, through the words of Jesus, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. It's in Christ are hidden all the virtues, if you like, of wisdom and knowledge, the fullness. So we're not going to solve our problems with the right vision. And I don't think the vision is a political program. I don't think the vision is a woke ideology or a far-right ideology or any political ideology. I don't think the vision is religion. I think the vision is the Christ of the Bible. Thanks to Peter for producing this. Thanks to those of you who've contributed in sending me information. And again, I apologize. I can't use everything. Send me your complaints. Send me your thoughts. Put your reviews on um, iTunes or wherever it is you get your podcast. Uh, if you'd like to support the podcast, then please do so at the Quantum uh, Fundraiser on Podbean. I'm going to put out a personal newsletter uh, saying what's happening to us. In three weeks' time, we're going to be moving to Newcastle in New South Wales. I'll write an explanation of why that is the case. We'll continue this work, the media work, uh, and some other stuff as well, other new media stuff. But uh, I'm going to help, I hope, in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Spirit, help revitalize a church in that great city um, did you know that Newcastle in New South Wales has half a million people in it? Well, it does. It's growing and it's expanding and there are some very good churches there and I hope just to add to them and be part of the gospel expansion in that city. So I am going to leave you 
as we began, we began with a Van Morrison song, Problems, and here's the solution. Van Morrison singing the great Irish hymn, Be Thou My Vision. Bye. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me, save that thy art. Thou my best thought in the day and the night, waking or sleeping, thou presence my life. Be thou my wisdom. Shoot.